Discover community. Find hope and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Eric Kuhner. Well, you know, the thing is, we look at it like this. Anything that God has created, we have to understand that it's beautiful, right? Even when it's blowing snow and cold, you can't see. We have to look at it and go, man, God created this. There's got to be something beautiful about this because it's God's creation. I don't know how many of you have ever been to Disney World or Disneyland. Anybody ever been to Disney World, Disneyland, and have had that experience and being able to go to the most magical place in the world and to walk through the gates. And as you're walking in, all these people are, are there to greet you. And it's just like you get in, you're like, it is magical. It is a magical place. It is the most magical. You know, it kind of feels like that. But there's, there's these cool little things that we, we discovered uh, several years ago. And maybe if you've, you've been to Disney World and, or Disneyland and you, you've, you've purchased the, the magic band, right? The magic band is the, the thing that you put on your wrist that gives you this all access kind of VIP treatment. I mean, you have to purchase it. It comes at a cost. It comes at a price, but you get this magic band and what it does, it, it gives you access that you, you put in your information and, and you enter it in, you go online, you, you can select your colors and all the different things for the magic band that you want. And you can go in there. You can, if you're staying in a resort and you have it, you could key it to your room. You can put your information in there. You can put your debit card on this magic band. It is like the rules. You don't have to worry about carrying any cash or anything with you. Just go up. I want to pay for this. You, you swipe the magic band. You know, it, it gives you all these. And all, and what's really cool, you go in there beforehand and you can pick all your rides that you want to ride throughout the day at Disney World. No matter which park you're in and say, Oh, we're going to be at this one this certain time. And you link it to your magic band. You get in, you go straight to the fast pass. It takes you right in close to, close to the front of the line. You get all this access, right? You get all this treatment because of the magic band. It gives you the access to, to, and the benefits of what you've purchased, what you've put on your wrist. And you go around, you go to EU's house, swipe the magic band. I'm going to go in my room. I'll just swipe the magic band. I want to be in a line. I'm at fast pass. I'll swipe the magic band. The whole family comes in. You're like, Oh yeah. People are just looking at you like, did you not know you could get the magic band? It's kind of like going to Sam's and you not know you could like pay for your, your stuff before you get to the big giant line. You could just scan it on your card, on your phone. The app is really cool and everybody's standing in line. You just walk right out like, ha ha ha. The benefits of an app, you just scan it and all you suckers are still standing in line. But it's like one of those things. You get benefits if you just understand the investment. If you understand what's in front of you, if you take advantage of what is there. And more than a magic, uh, a magic band or the pass of that, it's the access that Jesus has provided. More than just the Disney experience or the, the benefits at Sam's or wherever it may be when you use your app or you take advantage of the benefits there, it's the benefits in which Christ has provided for us. We're going to be reading that today in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verses 18 through 22. But because of Christ's reconciliation unto us, because he's reconciled us unto him because of his sacrifice, he has provided access to the Father. He has provided benefits that we get to, to be a part of because of what he gave, the price that he paid. We're going to read it and we look in, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. It says, For he, through him, through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling 
in which God lives by his spirit. So our first point is that through him, we have access. We see here in the very first scripture of 2.18, he says, for through him, we both have access to the father by one spirit. So it's saying we both have access. What this was saying is with, to the Jew and to the Gentile, that you both have access. What Jesus' reconciliation, not only for him to provide access to the Father, but his reconciliation of man together as one, understanding no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from, no matter your past, you're not exempt from God's love and God's grace. It is for both the Jew and the Gentile. It's for everyone, and it's for you, it is for me to understand that we have access to the Father if we so choose to partake of it. As followers of Jesus, we have access Because when Jesus was on the cross, when he paid the price, it provided access that the Holy of Holies, that curtain, that divider, that veil was rent in two from the top to the bottom. God said, no longer I'm in a place that you can't get to. No longer I'm in a place that you have to have somebody to go on behalf for. Now my son has provided a way that you have total access to me. By Jesus' words saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the only way to the Father. I am the way through the Father. So if you want access, you want that magic band experience, then you have to accept me and you and, and understand and know me as Lord and Savior. You have to surrender your life and follow me, become a devoted follower of who I am. I have provided you a way to be in a relationship with the Father. I am that source. I am that way. He granted granted both Jew and Gentile access. His objective was to reconcile us with the Father, but, but also to bring reconciliation between individuals and groups of people through himself. It's no longer about an individual, individual group, but as, as more of as a, as a Christ follower. It's through Jesus that we were brought together and to understand that he is the Savior of the world. In 1 John 4, 14 through 15, he says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. So if you acknowledge, you surrender, you make a relationship with Christ, all of a sudden at that point in your life, you have access. You have the benefits to, to have a relationship with God. That means in the midst of your trials, <clears throat> in the midst of worry, <clears throat> in the midst of things that are happening in your life, you can go directly to the Father. He's made a way that you can be in a relationship with him. The thing is that anyone and everyone can know that no matter who you are, that you too can have an access to the Father if you choose to surrender your life to Christ. And as followers of Jesus, as believers this morning, are you taking advantage of the benefits? Are you taking advantage of the access or are you taking it for granted? Do we take it for granted that God is just always there, right? Jesus is just always there. Or are we taking advantage of the benefit of knowing we have a relationship straight to the Father? Walking in that authority, walking in the courage and the boldness of the Holy Spirit in our life. The thing is, whether you choose to follow or not, and if you choose to follow, then you have access to the benefits of becoming a follower of Jesus. There's no more on the outside looking in. It's the access. There's no more going on in, into a, to a, a, a sitting down with somebody saying, will you go to the Father for me? No, 
God made that way that you go straight to God with whatever you're dealing with, whatever's happening in your life. We have access to the throne room, access to the Holy of Holies, that when we cry out, He is there. When we worship, He is there. When we pray, He is there. When we are silent, He is there. We have access. We have access because of Christ, because of Jesus. And it's to walk in and live up into the understanding that we have access to Him. And that through Him, we belong. Because we have access, now we belong. And it's through Him that we belong. I love this, this next portion of, of Scripture in verse 219. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of His household. Not only did He give us access but now he says, because of my reconciliation, because of my, my, my death, because of me being resurrected, I have granted you access, but now because of that and you've, you surrendered your life, you're not, not only now no longer a foreigner or a stranger, an alien in this land, you are now a citizen. And more than just a citizen, now you're part of the household of family of God. I mean, how cool is that to look at when Paul wrote that, the understanding to, to, to first of all, go to a political thing of understanding what it looked like as a citizen, as a person on the outside. But he said, not only that, you're a family member. You get to be a part of the family of God. You know, the term strangers or aliens or, or whatever that may be, maybe your, your translation has something different, but the term strangers is a word for a short-time resident, a, a transient. Somebody that's just in and out. Or even maybe today's words, it could have been somebody that was homeless. But he's saying, no longer are you a stranger in this land or a foreigner. The term alien or foreigner is a word for a person who is living in a country other than the one they were born in. They have no inherent right. They they have no secure protection under law. No voting rights. We look at that and we understand the terminology, what it's talking about. The immigrant. We say in those people... They are not a part of this land. They are a foreigner. They don't belong in this country. Or they don't belong to this country, whatever it may be. But because of Christ, because of his love, we are no longer foreigners or strangers, but we are citizens. That relationship. Now, because of that, we have access to the Father, but now we have the benefits. As a child of the King, we have benefits Understanding who we are, we're not, we're not strangers or foreigners, but don't carry that title. Rather, in Ephesians 2.19, we are fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. So we look at citizenship in that time, in Paul's time, biblical times, it was a big deal to become a citizen of Rome or become a citizen of that city. You had to scrimp and you had to save and you had to work. It was a big deal to be a part of it as a citizen. They worked their whole lives to pay huge amounts of money in order to become a citizens of Rome. But if being a citizen of Rome was special, imagine how great it is to be citizens with God's people. That is what we are. That is who we are. Paul goes on to say that not only are we citizens, but he uses the warmth and closeness of family relationships to make this point. There is no separation. We are members of the household of God. We are family, and I'm not going to sing that. I want to. It's right there, but it's not going to come out. I'm not going to do it. But as family, we have been united as one and now have equal access 
to the same privileges, same benefits as any other family member. We now share in the inheritance. We are now sons and daughters of the king. We can walk in authority and anointing and power and strength and love and courage. We walk with boldness and confidence knowing who we are in Christ. It's taking an advantage of the fact of who we are as sons and daughters of the king. Do we walk in that boldness? Do we walk in that authority? When the enemy comes in, do we stand and stand in a place and say, no, no, you don't have no authority here because God has given me authority to cast out demons. God has given me the authority to walk in power. God has given me the authority to walk in boldness. God has given me the authority to lay on hands on those that are sick and they may be healed. God has given me authority to, to pray over my children. God has given me authority. And I walk in that authority. I, I reap the benefits because as a child of, of the king, that's who I am. And I get to partake in that inheritance. I'm an heir to the throne. And we should live in such a way in understanding that's who we are. We walk in that boldness. When chaos and troubles come, who do you call on? Do you call on somebody else or do you stand in, in a, a sense, you stand in boldness and begin to, to plead the blood of Jesus over your family, over that situation? Do you begin to speak to, do you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through you? And to see his, his power begin to work in you and through you. We have access. We have the benefits. I love seeing on social media that so many people, when they're adopting children, and how cool that is, how amazing that is. We have several in this church, and you, you see it online, and you see the celebration that takes place. You, you see the pictures in the courtroom. You see them with their children, and you're seeing, you see when the document is signed by the judge. Jamie Swint, who's one of our uh, one of our team on staff at the children's ministry, her sister just recently adopted a little boy. Little baby boy is beautiful. And Thursday they got to, they got to get online and watch the, the process of the judge coming in and making it official. Like they, this family already know, hey, this is official. This, this is my son. But you still got to go through the legal process and go into the courtroom and let the judge. And so they sat online for like 30 minutes and finally the judge comes in. Walks in, signs the paper, have a great day, shuts the thing off. It was like, that was it? And then she made this statement, which kind of stuck with me. And she says, Jamie says, when it's done, it's done. I guess when it's done, it's done. He signs it. When it's done, it's done. And I think, how cool is that? When it's done, it's done. When Jesus spoke those words hanging on the cross and said, it's finished. When we choose to believe and we choose to surrender and follow him and 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 make him Lord of our life. When it's done, it's done. When Jesus, when God the Father, the ultimate judge, makes that decision to, to forgive us, and we walk in that forgiveness and grace, when it's done, it's done. We have become a child of the King. It's official. It's binding. We are now part of that family. And just like these families are adopting children in, they are now it's the same child, whether the blood is running through their veins or not of, this, of that family. They are part of that family and they get to reap the same benefits as any brother and sister in that family. They're not somebody that's different. They're family. They are part of it. They belong. And we belong because of that adoption unto the King God, because of God, what he's done in our life, because of what Christ surrendered. We are a part of that family and we get to reap the rewards. We get to reap the benefits and we get to walk in that. We look here so far, Paul's talked about the, the access we have in Christ, the benefits of family we have in Christ, and now in Ephesians 2.20, the foundations upon which the building will stand. We're going to talk about that, the foundations. On him is laid the foundation. 
on him has laid the foundations. Ephesians 2.20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. You know, when we look, foundations are the most important process when you're in a construction of building a building. The foundation is the very most important thing. It's not where all the water is going, the sewer and electricity and all that. That's great to have that understanding where stuff's laid. Get in there in advance. You lay it in the concrete before you have it already ready to go. That's not the most important thing. It's the foundation. It's the foundation which holds everything together. It's on that foundations that the, the walls are standing. That the roof is being held by. And if the foundation is off a little bit, then everything else in that house or that building is going to be off just a little bit. And it's going to make a huge difference because it's not going to be as secure as it should be if it was made to be perfectly level and perfectly in alignment, perfectly square. When we see that the foundation is meant to be something that is secure, something that is, that is, that is the perfect form, we understand that that's what, that what we're grounded in. And more than that is our spiritual foundation. It's the spiritual foundation which we have in our life. And we understand what foundation looks like. And we look in, if you look in Matthew 7, 20, uh, 24, 27, it talks about where the, where the wise man built his house on the rock and, and the winds and the waves came and, and it stood because he had a foundation in the rock. And the other one built his house on the sand. He was foolish. And the foolish attach himself to a foundation that's not secure. Foundations that's kind of out of whack, a little janky. I don't know if you can do a janky with... <laughs> that's a word. <laughs> but it's not a foundation built on the teachings of tradition or philosophy and modern ideas, but the spiritual heritage given to us by the prophets and the apostles, when we see that it's a foundation built upon those that come before us, their teachings and the God's written word on the Old Testament. When it says the apostles and the prophets, of course, were those who personally witnessed Christ and were taught directly by him. The prophets have a way of saying that the Old Testament writings, the history, the prophecies. When Paul's writing that, he said this is the foundation of Jesus because everything points to him. But more than just the foundation of those apostles and prophets, he points to the fact that he says that all of this is laid upon who Jesus is because Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And so if you know what a cornerstone is, it was laid on the foundation and everything came off of that cornerstone. Everything in alignment came off that cornerstone. Everything was squared off by that cornerstone. And then again, if that cornerstone, when it was set, everything started from that point and brick by brick was laid in the, in from that cornerstone. It's like laying tiles on a roof. If you go to put the shingles on the, on the roof, if you don't get the first line right, that's going to be screwed up. It's going to look bad. You'd be like tiles going this way. Like all your shingles are going, why is that a weird angle? It's because you didn't get the first line right. The foundation of which you're setting everything else against it. Everything goes off that line of shingles. So it's squared up. That it looks right. It looks level. It looks in line. And when we're attached to that cornerstone, which sets everything in order, that brick by brick by brick is laid upon that foundation. 
upon that cornerstone that keeps us in the perspective, keeping us in a line that doesn't let us get out of whack. It's an amazing point that we look through Scripture. That's one of the main emphasis that we look through Scripture, that everything points towards Jesus as that chief cornerstone. The foundation of God's Word is on Jesus. It's laid upon Him. Then everything that and how we live our life should come off the very foundation of God's Word. And every decision that we make, and everything that we do, it has to be laid on a foundation. A lot of times our foundation is in how can we make it is what we can see. But faith comes in trusting in God what we cannot see, but we know that you can do. Because your word has told us time and time again that God, that you can do the impossible, that you can work the miracle. And if we see that, that we have faith in that, the trust that we're going to lay ourselves upon that cornerstone, that everything is pointing towards Jesus. That matter what, no matter what we face in our life is that it's upon him. When a, when a building in ancient times was being built, the first and most important stone, as we see, was the cornerstone. Isaiah 28, 16 says this. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Love that. If you rely upon that cornerstone... You'll never be stricken with panic and fear and doubt. If it was prepared and laid correctly, the building would be square, level, strong. It would have proper alignment. If it had, if it had imperfections and was laid poorly, the building would be flawed and weak. I don't know if you stepped into a house when the foundation is finally settled and you see all the cracks around the windows and the door jams and all these giant cracks because the foundation settled or maybe wasn't poured properly. Wasn't done just right. And you had all these flaws and you see the you can go to the outside and you see cracks in the brick on the outside because the foundation was flawed. If we ourselves are not secured ourselves, uh, ourselves to the foundation of Christ then we will be off kilter. Our direction and purpose will be out of alignment. We have to understand that the foundation of Christ is what keeps us moving in the direction of becoming fully devoted follower of Christ. That we can be connected for his intended purpose in our lives. We can be connected. In him, we are connected. In him, we are connected. We see in the last verses here of 21 and 22, it says, In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So it's in him that we are connected because he is the foundation, is the cornerstone. So everything is connected, but it's we, we as a church, that we as a people, that we are connected, that we are being built into the temple to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. What Paul is talking about is is a building in Christ, a dwelling place in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. The in him points us back to Christ as the chief cornerstone, what we're tied to. It's in Christ that the building is being joined together. It is in Christ that the building is being built. We are a building in Christ. We are a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. This is what we are. This is who we are. And this is what we are becoming. It is our present and it is our future. 
We understand it's not about a building. And we've said this phrase over and over and you've heard it. Church is not a building, it's a people. And we begin to understand it's not about how beautiful the structure is, how amazing it is. It's about you and I, it's about people. It has nothing to do with de- denominations. It has nothing to do with programs or how many people attend, but it's about people. It's about you and I being the church as followers of Christ. So what is a Christ building? What is Christ building? He's building you. He's building me. He's building us. That anybody and everybody can know him. That nobody should be on the outside looking in. But to understand they have access if you choose to surrender your life. As followers of Christ, we are the stones that make up the building in which God dwells. And in which Christ is the cornerstone. The thing is, the presence of God is what constitutes a temple, not a structure. The presence of God is what constitutes a temple, not a structure. And where the presence of God dwells, there in it lies the temple. And we are God's temple. We are God's workmanship. We are a piece of work. We are God's art. When we perceive that the church is people, not a building, not a denomination, not a set of program, we realize what it's about. It's about people. If we understand that together, we have a purpose that God intends for us to be a vessel that allows him to work in and through us. That we would see others as God sees them. And we help show them the love of Christ. That we help live a life that shows them who Jesus is. Because we are that dwelling place of his Holy Spirit. And we say, Holy Spirit, dwell inside of me. God, dwell inside of me. Let me have such a close relationship with you that it permeates from who I am. That people see you. That people want to know you because of the love that's in my life. And they would know because of your sacrifice. Because you have made the way because I've had access to you. So if you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship, if you're online with us this morning and you don't have this relationship, you're holding on to something else in your life that's trying to be that fulfillment. But you know, you know it's empty. You know that there's things in your life that you need to surrender. And most importantly is surrendering your will and your way and your life and your heart to him and saying, God, be Lord of my life, be Lord of everything. Whether you've been coming... Sunday after Sunday, whether it's your first time here today, maybe it's your first time online today. I mean, I just want to encourage you. We're going to go into a moment of worship here in just a second. And I want to encourage you, whether you've never surrendered your life to Christ, or maybe you've walked in this morning as a prodigal, and you've been struggling to come back. Maybe you've been struggling to find your way back. And God's let that on the other side of that hill and he's waiting he's waiting for you to return when you crest the top of that hill he runs to embrace you and God's saying will you surrender the things that you've tried your way you wanted your inheritance to go and live your life the way you wanted but God's saying how did that work out for you if you try it my way you'll see that there's better benefits than doing it alone 
There's better benefits when we have a relationship together as a people, but more importantly is the access to the Father. It's whether you're online and you want to surrender your life to Christ today. There's hosts that are there. You can, you can minimize your screen. You can chat if you're on YouTube. You can put it in the comments. If you're on the website, there's a prayer button. But said, say today and have a conversation with somebody. If you're in this room, when we go to worship in just a second, if you want to make your way to the cross, there's going to be a prayer team there. People are willing to pray with you and lead you to Christ this morning. Or maybe you just need to rededicate your life. I believe God is wanting to do some things in us as a church, as a people, to remind us of His love. To show us how amazing and wonderful He is if we just choose to surrender. If you just choose to surrender. Will you stand with us this morning as we as we just worship and allow God to, to speak to you. Don't be distracted. Let the Holy Spirit have freedom in your life this morning.